Okay, let's begin. I am Lanice Antoine Shelley, and I'll be your host through constructive, healing-based conversations designed to illuminate the adoptee, parents, and the adoption curious. We center the topics around community, mentorship, leadership, and healing, so you get a multi-dimensional view that is ultimately empowering. These are the voices who could not speak when they were young. Okay, before we get into it, I wanted to share with you some new offerings. We've just partnered with Isaac Edder's company called Identity, who provides adoption consulting and short practical guide pamphlets, a practical guide to transracial adoption and a practical guide to black hair care. As a listener, you get 15% off. Just click the link in the show notes where you can find all references and hot topics that are talked about in each episode. And since you're listening, I just wanted to thank those of you who've rated and reviewed this podcast, because every five-star click helps remind these platforms that our work matters and helps me keep going. So those of you who are getting so much out of these conversations and have taken the 30 seconds to write a positive takeaway, I see you and I thank you. Those who haven't yet, now is the time, my love. Let's talk about it on Instagram after you go ahead and click five stars and write a review. Okay, hello, hey there. Well, here we are, about to be launched out of May and onto June, which means we're halfway through this year. And I cannot believe it. I don't feel as if I've done nearly as much as I've wanted to do this year. However, I have surprised myself with other things that popped up that I managed to to get accomplished, the unexpected triumphs. I'm definitely counting them, so don't worry. It's not all doom. <laughs> anyway, it's just me. Today, I'd like to discuss two huge topics. This month has been many things for me. Officially, though... It's Mental Health Awareness Month and Asian, Asian American, Pacific Islander Heritage Month as well. I want to take the time to honor both things, both of these topics. First, I'll tell you why mental health awareness is so important to me on a personal level and on a community level. In April, I hit a mental wall. I cracked. I was broken open. Something in me unraveled in a way that it had never done before. It was a long time coming with this strain of last year and familial issues that were flaring up. And it also may have been me emerging fully out of the fog, as they say. It's interesting that I thought I was in the clear. I thought that I cleared the fog in 2020 that I had glided gracefully out of the miasma of adoption with not a scratch, just a few questions, softball questions that I had on the tip of my tongue. Nope. (laughs) Coming out of the fog is not linear. It's not smooth. It could be for some folks. I want to meet those people. 
it's more jagged and circuitous and serpentine in nature. You just don't know when it's going to hit you. I don't know if any of you have experienced such a revelatory unhinging from what you thought you knew about a person or what you thought you knew about yourself. Then the truth in its icy cold glory slams into you, rushing through you, and you are left with the sobering truth. My perceived truth is that I am alone. There's just me. I am meant to walk this earth never intimately knowing my birth family and never intimately knowing my adoptive family. I am here. It's just me. That is what happened to me in April. I promptly sought professional help because the depth of the crash of knowledge was beyond my tinctures or potions or spells or rituals that I do. I needed to be led by someone who could steer me out of this. I miraculously found a therapist who is a black female and gets me. And get this, she is an adoptee. I had no idea. When I called her distraught, she said, it was our consultation. She says to me, Lenise, I believe you. I am adopted too. It's not on my profile, but I have white parents and I speak to hundreds of adoptees, and they all say the same thing. Am I crazy? (laughs) This is a game changer to have a black female adoptee therapist. I, I never fathomed I could manifest such a specific type of person, but I have. Adoptees need a therapist that looks like them and who is also adopted So you parents out there, if you're getting your adoptive child a therapist or a counselor, find one that reflects them. There are more and more practitioners who are adopted. And now that the virtual sessions are an option as well, you can find all of these things as an adoptee and as a parent. They are available to you as well. So here are five facts about Mental Health Awareness Month. Okay, number one, Mental Health Awareness Month has been observed through 1949. It began to fight the stigma, create support, educate the public, and make way for policies that support the millions of people in the U.S. affected by mental illness. Number two, On the Very Well website, in the show notes, I leave a link. It's called Very Well. I've learned a lot of things from this website. So on this website, it reads, Adoptees are statistically known to be more at risk for mental health problems, both due to the initial trauma and then genetics. Mental health issues may also be prevalent in biological parents who have suffered their own traumas, which are now genetically passed on to the child. Number three, a meta-analysis review of studies about adoptees' mental health found higher levels of depression and anxiety than in non-adoptees, with bipolar disorder and major depressive disorder and two disorders most associated with adoption. Additionally, adoptees are more than four times more likely to attempt suicide. Adoptees are more likely to have a psychiatric diagnosis than non-adoptees. 
Some common diagnoses among adoptees are the following. Depression, anxiety, bipolar, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, and optional defiant disorder. Number four, adoption is a trauma. No matter the age of the child, and people need to know this, adoption is a trauma. I actually got a psych evaluation and they did not list adoption as one of the traumas that could befall a person. And I had to tell the counselor, you need to add that. (laughs) Adoption is uh, just as severe as any other trauma out there. In episode 58, Isaac Adder talks about how even in infancy, the child has just has just spent nine months listening to their mother's heartbeat, knowing her smell and her voice. The best way to soothe a crying infant is by giving it the blanket from the mother so they could could smell the mother's scent. Research shows that children who have been adopted face higher levels of attachment insecurity than non-adoptees. And adoptees who enter their parents' lives later than at one year old have deeper attachment issues than those adopted at birth or soon after. But let's be 100% clear that adoptees, whether it be a newborn or a four-year-old like myself or a nine-year-old, they are all experiencing trauma of, of losing their biological families. So let's just start there, okay? Now, number five, disenfranchised grief. While things like death and divorce are typically recognized as grief, adoption is not often recognized. This is called disenfranchised grief, a type of grief that people feel uncomfortable acknowledging publicly or in their family units. This type of grief is common among adoptees because of the societal messaging suggesting you should be grateful or you were adopted into a good family who loves you. To learn more about mental health in the adoption community, go to the show notes, and I've linked all of this information below. This is why we're sponsored by BetterHelp, my loves, because mental health is so important. I know the things I need to do to recenter myself. I know I need sun. Movement and having my bike helps with that tremendously. I need my vitamin D supplements and sometimes niacin, which is vitamin B6. I need probiotics. I need meditation and yoga. I need to move my body daily. And now, in addition to all of those things, I have a conversation once a week with my therapist who sees me and understands me without having me having to explain myself, which which is so huge for adoptees. And it's deeply healing for me. Okay, here are five things I learned during the Asian, Asian American, and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. One, the month of May was chosen for two reasons. First, to commemorate the immigration of the first Japanese to the United States. A young fisherman named Manjiro who arrived May 7, 1843. Second, May marks the anniversary of the completion of the Transcontinental Railroad on May 10, 1869. 
the majority of the workers on the transcontinental railroad were Chinese immigrants who laid the tracks and were responsible for most of the dangerous and heavy manual labor. Two, in 2009, former President Barack Obama changed the official name. It was first Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, acronym APAHM. Now it is officially Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, which I think is more trippingly off the tongue. The month celebrates individuals from the entire continent of Asia and the Pacific Islands, which includes Melanesia, which is New Guinea, Fiji and the Solomon Islands, Micronesia, Guam, Wake Islands, Palau, Marshall Islands, Polynesia, New Zealand, Hawaiian Islands, Midway Islands, Samoa, American Samoa, Cook Islands, French Polynesia, and Easter Island. Three, Asian Pacific American women served in World War II. An often overlooked fact in history is the role of Asian Pacific American women in the war. Judy Belafair, curator of the Women in Military Service for American Memorial Notes, lots of Japanese and Chinese women were trained as interpreters and translators, and some Filipino-American women put their lives on the line as members of the underground resistance in the Philippines. Four. The United States has more adopted Chinese children than any other country in the world more than 170,000 since 1992, when the Chinese adoption law went into effect. In the 1950s, several initiatives urged white parents to adopt black children out of foster care. At the same time, Americans began to adopt Korean War orphans. And in the 1970s, adoptive parents brought home Vietnamese War orphans. In the 1990s, we saw a rise in the adoption of Chinese girls as China's one-child policy caused a widespread practice of child abandonment. Number five, between 2017 and 2019, around 28% of all adoptions were transracial. White parents of children of a different race or ethnically represented 90% of them. According to the State Department, there were 1,622 international adoptions in 2020. The top countries of origin were Ukraine, China, South Korea, Colombia, and India. 59% of international adoptions are of children who have a non-Hispanic Asian descent. Only 19% of Asian children that are adopted are male, furthering skewing the results as girls are adopted out of China. The majority of children who are adopted are non-white, but 73% of these children are adopted by parents who are white. Some 84% of international adoptions are interracial. Among all non-Caucasian children who are adopted, 73% are adopted into Caucasian families. Now that was a lot. <laughs> a lot of food for thought, right? It was a buffet, a buffet of thought. I highly recommend the documentary called One Child Nation, available on Amazon Prime. 
This breaks down why there was such an influx of Chinese babies available to adopt in the 70s and helps you understand why China continues to be the most popular destination for adoption outside of the U.S. I also stumbled across this incredible blog called Asian Nation in my research, written by C.N. Lee. All right, I have literally been editing these on the Saturday they're due. (laughs) Like, when you listen to this, understand that I just finished editing it and put it out into the world with the last dregs of energy and hope. (laughs) I mean, it's not that dramatic, but it kind of is. (laughs) But you know what? I made it. We made it. I'm imperfect, but I try. And I'm here. I showed up and I'm doing my best with the resources I have and my conditioning. It was Brene Brown who said, what would happen if you believed that everyone was doing their best? That's how just life is going these days. So thank you for your patience and thank you for continuing to believe in me and this and and listening and supporting and all the things that you're doing. I so deeply appreciate you. I made it. We made it. I'm imperfect, but I try. All this information was super easy to obtain if you want to know more about mental health, which is just as important as any other part of the body, right? If we sprain an ankle or get a toothache, we need to center our minds. That is just as or more important than anything else. Check out the show notes. I've got you all covered. So everything that I've listed and talked about are in the show notes. I'm sending you all so much gentility and grace. So much grace. Talk to you soon. Another beautiful episode. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to my guest today. If you liked this episode, the best way to support me and this work is to write an iTunes review, a five-star review. (laughs) This helps us reach the top of searches and helps more people to find us. And if you personally want to connect, please reach out on Instagram or Facebook. And I have some great resource material on my website at laniceantoinshelly.com. So go on over there too. Until next we meet, go gently and have courage, my love.